0: 1967 san francisco charles a 32 year old man gets off the bus just released from prison on probation his release has left a bitter taste as he had requested to remain locked away from the society he despises but the law decided otherwise so he chose to start anew and explore the heart of the hippie movement after spending long hours on the bus Charles is immediately struck by the warm energy of the city. He decides to head towards the Haight-Ashbury neighborhood where the hippies gather. As he walks towards his destination, he feels a certain excitement seeing the city filled with young people dressed in psychedelic outfits. As the day comes to an end, Charles notices the sky starting to turn a deep orange-red hue. The sun slowly goes down behind the buildings, creating fascinating patterns of light on the front of the houses and buildings. The air is filled with the sweet scents of incense and marijuana, creating a hypnotic ambience that immediately surrounds Charles. He allows himself to be guided by the music resonating through the streets, as if each note were a promise to a better life. Soon, he is invited to join a group of young people dancing and singing. The women, with their long hair and festive dresses, offer Charles a flower crown. The atmosphere is magical. Laughter and smiles are contagious, and Charles forgets about his years behind bars. The young people converse together in a carefree atmosphere. Charles eventually shares his passion for music, and one of the boys lends him his guitar. The Beatles are his favorite band, and he learned their songs by heart during his years of incarceration. He starts singing Yellow Submarine, an iconic song of the time. The young man realizes that things have changed during his time in prison. He finds his place in this city of fantasies, where music and love seem to be the answer to all troubles. The young hippies, charmed by his charisma and his vision of freedom and love, gather around him. Charles feels carried away by his dreams of becoming a music star, but the only thing the world will remember of him is his destructive madness. Hello, I'm Fabrice. Welcome to Fabulous Destinies. In this episode, I'm going to tell you about a name that evokes horror. A guru of the 60s, he is considered one of America's most notorious criminals. A dark symbol in a period that promotes love and peace. His life has inspired many artists. His name, Charles Mention. From his childhood to the crimes he orchestrated, discover his dark destiny. Charles Manson was born on November 12, 1934 in Cincinnati, Ohio. Raised in a poor and dysfunctional family, he was exposed to violence early on with an alcoholic mother who spent time in prison. Charles was raised by his stepfather, then by his uncle and aunt, who mistreated him. At the age of 14, he was placed in delinquent children's homes where he suffered physical and sexual abuse. Throughout his adult life, Charles spends a significant part of his time in prison for various offences, including theft and sex trafficking. In prison, Charles starts playing the guitar and studies Eastern religions, Scientology, and the occult, which shape his own worldview. After his release in 1967, Charles moves to Haight-Ashbury in San Francisco. Since his incarceration, Charles has believed that the end of the world is near and that he is the savior of humanity. He preaches his message in San Francisco and quickly attracts young women in search of a meaning in their lives. Inspired by one of the Beatles songs, he founds the Manson family. It's a strange community mainly composed of women who are under Charles's influence. The family members live together in the middle of the California desert on an isolated ranch called the Spawn Ranch. Life there is harsh and chaotic, driven by Charles's unpredictable moods. The ranch is a run-down and dusty place cut off from the outside world. Their food mainly consists of vegetables and fruits grown on site or found in nearby dumpsters. The Manson family engages in alternative activities such as meditation, yoga, and dance while regularly consuming LSD. Charles uses this drug to reinforce his control over the family, preaching that LSD can help them achieve spiritual transcendence. Family members are often subjected to loyalty tests, ensuring their obedience and allegiance. But Charles is not satisfied with his small community. He wants to go further. Charles Minson has an ambitious dream. To become a music star. He will infiltrate the Los Angeles music scene and befriend influential musicians and producers, such as Neil Young of the Mamas and the Papas. He will also become friends with Dennis Wilson, a member of the Beach Boys. The scorching heat suffocates Dennis. Drops of sweat bead on his forehead. Dust swirls around him like a frenzied dance that seems never to stop. The atmosphere is unreal, almost supernatural. Charles' disciples are dressed in long, brightly colored robes with psychedelic patterns. Their long hair flows in the hot breeze, creating a mystical and mesmerizing aura. The disciples' gaze is intense, hypnotic, as if they can read Dennis's soul in an instant. Their smiles are enigmatic. It feels like they know something he has yet to discover. He's drawn to the beauty of all these women. One of them approaches him without saying a word, takes his hand and guides him towards the ranch. Dennis Wilson is intrigued. He goes along with it. The other women surround him and accompany him all walking at the same pace. As he heads towards the ranch, Charles Manson's voice resonates in the distance. His music fills the air with its bewitching melody. Dennis feels captivated, as if nothing could divert him from this voice that transports him to another world. The song Cease to Exist in particular captivates Dennis with its enchanting melody and enigmatic lyrics. He's so fascinated by Charles and his music that he suggests to the Beach Boys to record a version of the song. But the collaboration goes awry. Dennis significantly alters Menson's song before releasing it under the name Never Learn Not to Love without giving him the credit he hoped for. Charles is furious about not being credited and seeing his words altered this way. He then sends a bullet by mail to Dennis's home as a threat. Later, Charles meets Terry Melcher, a music producer who lives in the Hollywood Hills. Negotiations for a contract fall through, and in August 1969, Charles and his followers choose Terry's house to commit unspeakable horrors that would leave a lasting mark on America. Before we continue with this episode, a quick break to give the floor to our partner without whom this podcast could not exist. Don't go away, we'll be right back. In 1969, Charles's idealized life takes a violent turn. Convinced that the Beatles are prophets to have conveyed hidden messages to him, Charles believes himself to be the messiah, destined to save the world from an imminent end. According to him, the lyrics of the Wild Album contain a call for a race war that he is meant to initiate. By combining passages from various religious texts and Beatles songs, Charles devises a prophecy. Black people, eager to start an apocalyptic race war, will soon attack white people. Whites will then turn to Manson to lead their new nation. He dubs his struggle Helter Skelter after a song by the British group. Manson proceeds to explain to his disciples the necessity of committing murders to hasten the realization of his prophecy. He instructs his cult to carry out barbaric killings and pin the blame on black individuals. The goal is to provoke a race war and to sow the seeds of chaos in society. On August 8, 1969, Charles orders four of his disciples to go to the producer who had refused to sign a contract with him and kill him. However, Terry Melcher has recently moved and the killers now find themselves at the home of actress Sharon Tate. The murders of Sharon Tate and her friends are particularly gruesome. Armed with knives and guns, Manson's followers enter the house and begin stabbing and shooting the occupants. Sharon Tate, who is eight months pregnant, is stabbed 16 times. The other occupants are also stabbed and shot multiple times. Their bodies are found in the house in a pool of blood with numerous signs of struggle. Authorities also discover messages written on the walls with the victim's blood. One of the messages reads, Pig, referring to the Beatles' song, Piggies, which criticizes the ruling class. The next day, Charles and his followers decide to kill again, this time in the home of an elderly couple who own a supermarket chain, Lino and Rosemary LaBianca. After brutally murdering them in their own home, Manson's killers continue their acts of savagery by carving the word war onto Lino's lifeless body with a fork. These inscriptions are intended to make it appear as if the crimes were committed by members of a militant black organization, causing confusion about the identity of the perpetrators for some time. These acts shocked America and the world. Authorities quickly establish a connection between the murderers and Menson's family, who had been arrested shortly after the homicides for other minor crimes. The murderers, including Charles, are apprehended and tried for the murder of Sharon Tate and her friends, as well as the murders of Lino and Rosemary LaBianca. They are sentenced to death, but they will never face the death row. Their sentences are converted to life imprisonment due to the abolition of the death penalty in California. Charles Manson died in prison on November 19, 2017 at the age of 83. Thank you for listening to this episode of Fabulous Destinies. Feel free to share with us stories that you would like to hear on your favorite listening platform or via Baba Bam's Instagram or Twitter page. We'll be happy to discover them.